0: Okay, curiosity killed the cat. Curiosity does not kill us. One of the most dangerous teachings in the kingdom of God, actually that's the wrong way to say it, one of the most dangerous teachings in Christianity today is that whatever happens, happens, and everything comes through the hand of the Father. What you're really saying, if you say that, is you go back to the garden and you believe that the Father of lights is the author of sin. If you believe that, the enemy doesn't have to mess with you the rest of your life. He's got you right where he wants you. There's two kingdoms watching the narrative of our lives. One is writing the narrative. That's Elohim, the plural form of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The other kingdom is attacking the narrative of our lives at all times. And if he can get you to believe that everything in your life that happens comes through the Father's hands, he's got you. Because you develop a mentality that's Okay, Sarah, ra That's just what happened. But then you make the mistake, being facetious, of reading the Gospels. And 18 times Jesus Christ says, well, let it be done to you as you have believed. And uh, is Keaton here? Is Keaton Cable? There he is. Keaton, stand up. Just wave your hands. Everybody look at Keaton back there. Thank you, Keaton. Um, I don't know. Was it a year ago? I'm terrible with calendar. About a year ago, I was in worship right here. I saw Keaton getting healed of brain trauma. Did we pray up here? I think you he got healed as you are walking up, to be honest with you. Okay, there's two options there. Let's just celebrate the great man of God, brother, and sow your offerings in, and give the great man of God his own parking place, whatever else we do. I didn't tell Stone to pray for Carson. I didn't know, Car- I might have known Carson had celiacs. I can't remember. I had nothing to do with that. One kid, and I don't say kid because he's in college. I want to be called a kid when I'm 90. One kid kept being curious. Let's go to John 14, 12. Can we put that up there? John fourteen twelve. If you don't have this memorized, I'm asking everyone if you consider Bridgeway Home to memorize John 14, 12. If any man believes in me, he will do the same things I have done. Even greater things will he do because I'm going to be with the Father. 1978. I remember it like it was yesterday. I don't remember ever going to a movie before this. My Aunt Martha and my Mama Jane said, sweetie, we're going to take you to a movie. Thompson, Georgia theater sat about that many people maybe 1978, Superman, Christopher Reeve. I remember the smell of the popcorn. I remember feeling like I had gone through the portal into another world. And when that man flew, I knew in my mind when I got home, I was gonna fly as well. I just knew it. You do not have to teach a kid how to believe. You have to teach adults how to believe. And what a lot of adults call wisdom is actually um, jaded cynicism, where we develop more of a theory with God that has no legs, and we think we're wise. We're really just speaking through disappointments with God, and we have our libraries of doubt of why he didn't come through. A kid's not that way. I see it in Haiti. Adults in Haiti look very sad. Kids in Haiti laugh all the time. Same poverty line, same food, same world. I took somebody one time that said, there's just not much laughter in third world countries, and I said, you are dead wrong, and I'm gonna prove it to you. We, as a child, we have this innate ability to believe. I remember watching Superman, and I, it was just amazing. And I went home, and I got up on Mama Jane's bed. When I dove off that bed, I was not at a place of maturity yet, where I didn't realize that that's really just a green screen. I remember hitting my shoulder and it felt like I got run over by four focus coming right through my neck. (laughs) And you could say, well, that's just immaturity. I don't know. I think there should be a a playfulness, a childlikeness about us. Where it's not theory. And in a 9 a.m. sermon that really wasn't that good, And I was a little tired this morning, a wind blows and gold dust shows up. I I didn't prophesy it, people are texting me. You you don't need phenomenal wisdom to open your own doors for you. You need childlike playfulness. Believing that the father you're actually walking with is more real than the people that you're even ministering to. I used to need the approval of, we all did, we all do. I mean, Jack Norris needs my approval from time to time. It's very wise to nurture him, but you reach a stage where he, you don't need approval of anyone other than the Father, and then Gold Dust shows up and you don't even celebrate. It. It's like, that's awesome. I didn't need that, but that's pretty cool. Jack Norris desperately needed my approval this week. He made a 50 on a Bible test, and I'm the pastor of the church, and I- <laughs> <laughs> Jack said, Mom, when Dad gets home, he's going to kill me. She said, he is. She's like, this is terrible. So I got home, and he goes, Dad, am I going to get a spanking? I said, this is way worse than a spanking. And he's looking at me like, oh, dear Lord. I said, Jack, we're going to have a very sad talk. My heart is crushed because you made a 50 on a Psalm 119 test. That's impossible. And wouldn't you know it, he just magically retook that test and made a 100 after a pep talk. You want to know why? Because that kid's even more capable of much more than he thinks. Yes. So are you. Good. A couple people have two different reactions to the gold dust thing. Oh, here we go. Another one of those churches. No, you ought to get to know me. Don't pursue that stuff. I don't pursue angels, but I think it's just as moronic to ignore the angelic realm. Uh, The kingdom, I'm going to make this so simple. No one can misunderstand it unless you're just offended. The kingdom is attracted to kids. The kingdom is attracted to kids. Why? Purity, faith, belief. I remember going to Uncle Jack's pond when I was a kid. I had on white canvas tennis shoes. And I tried to walk across Uncle Jack's pond. My mom did not think it was cute, bold, or awesome of me. She said, "What have you done? I've got mud up to here. Can we put John fourteen twelve back up? Instead of getting all over people for taking too many chances, what if we took John fourteen twelve seriously? Any man believes in me; it's there. You just have to have faith. Us. There we go. Any man who believes in me will do the works I've been doing. They'll do even greater things. Let's go to Romans eight one, and I want to show you Satan's number one tactic in your life." Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus. If Satan can get you under condemnation, you will never have the courage to even to attempt to walk across that pond out there. When you get older, it's harder to be taken seriously when you have childlike faith. I know this firsthand. God told me to buy 500 towels because we're gonna start baptizing people around here very soon. After each service, and I would just get down. I'm gonna get down the pond. I'm not gonna build a ramp. I don't need a little pastor steps. Just get in the pond, baptize people. We're gonna baptize them left and right. And even when I say things like, that, yeah, I'll, t- I'll give your shoes back. I'll give my uh, Josh's shoes back to him before I do that. Um, even when I say that, there are some people who are like, well, we just need to be wise. I love wisdom, I love it. But a lot of times what we call wisdom, heaven just calls theoretical unbelief in processing. Can we throw Ephesians 1:17? Look at this. Ephesians 117 is amazing. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The word for wisdom here is Sophia. It can be learned. Luke 2, 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God, amen? The word revelation in the Greek, it cannot be learned. It must be given. How is it given? You ask for it. But the Father will not release the most precious gift we have, which is revelation to those he does not trust. You can be born again, spirit-filled, pray in tongues, be as righteous as the person beside you, but have a different level of trust from the Father to you. And if you keep asking, he will literally give you revelation that cannot be learned through degrees. I love wisdom and I love revelation. I'm getting my doctorate right now. I love wisdom. I also love revelation. Revelation is given supernaturally and it's given to people who are dominated by Colossians 3, 1 through 3. And those are the people that lead with their heart over their head. Because if God can get your heart, he can get all of you. And the heart is where we hold this childlikeness. You can have a PhD up here in a four-year-old childlike faith thing here. I am convinced I see see people heal when I pray for them, not because I learned anything. Because I have revelation that he's the nicest person I've ever met and I just wanna give away what I have. When Sam was three years old, I I preached in Birmingham, Alabama for a week. Sam may not remember this. He was young. It's 2006 and the movie Superman Returns came out. So I saw it in 1978 when I was six years old. And I took my son in 2006, he was three. Sam had his hand in the popcorn the entire movie with his mouth doing this. (laughs) Because there's a little bit of a difference in the big screen in 2006 and 1978. You know, Christopher Reeve, like, you know, just kind of barely flying, and this other guy's like, good grief. To watch Superman in 2006 through the eyes of my son actually opened up what the father thinks of us entering the kingdom. Being born again and entering the kingdom are not the same thing. Because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. Blah, 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 blah. The kingdom of God is a matter of power. And as stones shared, power doesn't just come through a great anointing from another great woman of God or man of God. Power comes through curiosity. Here's why. Curiosity will just keep taking you up the ascension of the mountain of God and you can get to places that other people are not at. Jesus only took Peter, James, and John to the mountain of transfiguration. He did not take the other nine. There was about another 120. They didn't go either. Were you saying, well, Jesus play favorites? No, the word says he doesn't play favorites, but he does trust some more than others because he's not gonna give away his precious pearls of revelation, the Trinity's not, to someone that they cannot trust to steward them. A lot of people pursue anointing. I don't want anointing. I want deep friendship with God. God. I was in San Francisco two weeks ago, and tomorrow my wife and I fly to London. I'm gonna tell you what he told me last night, at the grill, my grill, not restaurant, my literal grill. I came in the opposite spirit of this vicious snowstorm, and I wanted to go like Jimmy Buffett right in the eye of the storm and grill out as the storm was coming in. It's my way of saying, come on. Which by the way, the weather in England next week is better than it is here favor is not fair and that's just the truth (laughs) so last night the grill father showed me a picture of Lonnie Frisbee John Wimber God speaks to me in the shower a lot and when I'm grilling out a lot it's because it's outward expressions of relaxing into his presence a lot of us can't hear him not because he doesn't want to talk to us we don't know how to receive revelation God likes very relaxed people that's why Jesus always said my peace I leave with you Most people can only say, my chaos and anxiety and agoraphobia I give to you. (laughs) Jesus stepped into chaos and brought peace. You don't want to know why? It wasn't because of his anointing. He had so much oil of friendship with God on, he just brought God into every situation. A lot of times what we call laid back is not laid back. It's just trust in the Father. He's sleeping in a rocking boat. Anyway, I saw a picture of Lonnie Frisbee and John Wimber. And I had a three-minute conversation with God. And I came back inside, and B.B. was there. B.B. We came over, and my family was grilling out. And I said, B.B., write all this down. And for 10 minutes, I just started prophesying on a, a very unusual level for me. It was just flowing out of my mouth. And this is the way he showed me. He said, Chad, the Jesus movement started in San Francisco, like I've already told you guys, and you were just there. And he said, the Vineyard movement exploded when John Carroll went to England, 1982-ish. Mother's Day, 1982-ish, they named the movement the Vineyard Movement. He said, Chad, I sent you to San Francisco on purpose first, and now I'm sending you to England on purpose second. Where is D? Where's D? You drew me a picture a month ago? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. On the picture was an English clock, is that right? English tower. And when I looked at it, I said, Dee, this will make sense to you down the road. D did not know I was going to England tomorrow with Wendy. Well, why am I saying all this? From a childlike place, I am telling you guys, this isn't from the great man of God, I found the oracles, I stayed up all night praying, no, I was grilling out, eating chicken, and God told me, he said, Chad, I'm choosing Bridgeway, and what I wanna do is I wanna multiply it the way I multiplied John's ministry through uh, Anaheim, and all you have to do is just give me your life uh, uh, on the altar and I'll multiply it. John had a saying he used to say all the time. He said, I'm loose change in God's pocket and he can uh, spend me however he wants to. Yeah. See, th- this, what God told me is not through wisdom. I have really, I have a few ideas on how to multiply what God's doing here, but unless God touches it, it doesn't really matter. Well, that's wisdom. Let's put Ephesians 1.17 back up. But on the revelation side of things, I didn't dream this. I'm not casting faith for it. I didn't know who John Wimber was until three years ago. I'm reading his biography and while I'm reading his biography, someone that knew him called me, don't know how they got my cell number and started prophesying over this church and me about him and that book. I was reading the book while he called me. Revelation doesn't come through something you can learn. Revelation comes through deep friendship with God and I wanna make this so clear. There are benefits to deep friendship with God because he will share things with you that he doesn't share with other people. This is about to be awesome. I'm about to bless myself. Go to First Chronicles chapter 11. I've never preached this before. David's always in a battle, isn't he? When I look at superheroes in the Old Testament, he's at the top of the food chain for me. If someone around here spread the story that you tackled a lion, and killed the lion, you'd be a pretty big deal. Probably be employee of the month wherever you worked. (laughs) Uh, Wolves, what other animals, bears. If you were the one that took down Goliath when for 40 days he was taunting thousands of your brethren and you, the least of these, took him down, that's kind of superhero-esque. He may not have flown in the air, but come on. There's a passage in uh, Isaiah, or uh, where is it? I can't remember where it's David's being quoted where he can leap over walls. You guys remember that? He can leap over walls. This sounds like Superman to me. This is a very interesting passage with him and his mighty men. He was with David at Pas Damim when the Philistines gathered there for battle. At a place where there was a Field full of barley, the troops fled from the Philistines. Couple of principles here. The deeper in friendship you go with the Father, the more battles you will have. You know you're growing in friendship with God when you enjoy the battle and you don't run from it. The wars for the Israelites did not really start until they crossed the Jordan. The Promised Land is where all the wars were. But I would rather be like Jehoshaphat and give the battle to the Lord than to run from stuff and talk about my deep friendship with God. This past Thursday, I talked to Brian Woodard. We made the decision to give the entire staff this coming week off as a posture of warfare, not not sabbatical vacation. Since I gave that vision for the church for the next hundred years, we've just come under an onslaught, not against flesh and blood, but against the demonic realm. While I was writing the email to the staff to rest, I got a text from a prophet in South Atlanta that prophesied the whole thing. A day later, I'm on a golf course. God told me to go play 36 holes on Friday. I can't tell you the last time I did that. Jamie Galloway called me. He knows nothing about what's been going on. He said, I have a word for you, and it's out of 2 uh, Chronicles 20 where he says, God says, stand still, let me fight this battle for you and rest. He said that word is not just for you, it's for the staff in which you lead. I called Jack Hancock this past week, I said God doesn't even want you prayer walking, he wants the whole place to rest, just rest. Jamie had no idea, I'd already given the the staff a week off next week. Why am I saying all this? Because there's benefits to having revelation. I'm not talking about wisdom. God can give you revelation, not based upon an impartation or anointing, but because you've become such good friends with him that he replaces your eyeballs with his eyeballs and will show you the tactic of the enemy that's coming against you before the enemy even comes against you. You see, a lot of people say, well, all favors equal. It's actually not. Because in Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. There are places in the Father's heart you can go to that your favor looks unfair to someone else. There are places you can go to where the Father will fight battles for you out of friendship, not sovereignty. Out of friendship and connection that other people don't ever get to experience. You shall seek me, you shall find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The Lord is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word diligent is an absolute onslaught of obsessive pursuit of God. Back to this passage. What I find very interesting is this. At a place where there was a field full of barley, whenever you were stepping into a season of harvest, the enemy will always attack it to try to steal from it. Jesus said about Mark 4, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of them. A farmer goes to scatter seed. The enemy doesn't even care about you. He is petrified of seed. Because you know what seed produces? Growth, harvest, harvest. Fruit, many of you have been knocking on heaven's door about your marriage and all of a sudden you're starting to see breakthrough and harvest in your life and you're just surprised why all of a sudden it seems like the attack is 10 times more right now. It's because where there is a harvest, there is an attack. But where there is an attack, there's sovereign protection. Watch this, if, everybody say if. If, If there's sovereign protection, if you play by the rules. The next verse. But they took their stand in the middle of the field and they defended it and struck the Philistines down and the Lord brought about a great victory. You have to go to battle and you have to stand but you cannot bring your own victory. There was so much grace on Carson that all God needed stone to do is just take a baby step forward. There's a couple things in play here. This child likeness says I can walk across that pond. The cynical adult says no you can't. I'd rather sink a thousand times in a row than never attempt it. With God, if you just give him just a little bit, just a little fish, just a little bit of bread, he's the one that multiplies it. But most of the time, we don't even realize that we do have to give him fish and bread. We do have to step forward to pray for the Carsons. If I just kept it to myself what the father said about Keaton, there's no way he would have transferred to Clemson University and be healed. You said the other night, it was brain trauma. Is that what you said? Yeah, you three concussions? Watch how that works. It's not about the great man of God. David never took glory for himself with the Goliath. But you had to call that thing out and just move towards it. That little kid said, here, here's the fish and the bread. I read a story this past week. Um, oh yeah, it's when Samuel was coming into town. I, this is awesome. And this is before Saul has been anointed and he's about to start his regime as the, as the king over Israel. Saul and, I can't remember the other fellow that was with Saul. I can't remember. They went to meet Samuel for the first time and Saul says, I'm a little bit worried. I don't have anything to give the man of God. Even Saul knew that to see breakthrough in the kingdom, you need to sow a seed where there is a need. This is old covenant. What does a sowing a seed look like? It looks like uh, those 20 students from Clemson this morning being here at 8.45 a.m and I watched them huddle up and pray before they left, I am telling you, they will taste. They will taste, it, that they, it will be rewarded. You have to fight the enemy, but you also have to have revelation, not wisdom. You have to have revelation that you can't produce your own victory. The moral of the story is this. What are you giving him? Are you giving him anything to work with? For some of you, you need to say, you know what, I'm just done with cynicism. I've been calling my cynicism wisdom, I lay it on the altar. I just This is cynical, God. God is so awesome. If you, just ta- if you even take a millimeter step towards him, he's coming. When Jesus tells the, poor, the, the parable of the prodigal son, the father takes off running. When, when the son did what Saul did, he just turned and started moving a little bit that, that way. If you will just turn towards the Father. But the flip side of that, if you don't, it's just another case, Sarah, Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. Blah, blah, blah. I've got about two minutes and I'll close with this. I was talking to Jack Norris about Roger Bannister. This was in his trauma speech about making the 50 on the Bible test. I said, Jack, you know Roger Bannister? No. I said, he's the first man to ever break the four-minute mile. Superhero. 46 days later, it was broken again. It's been broken many times since. Why was it not broken a long time before that? Because no one think they could. This is what I declare over Bridgeway and I I don't want you to start screaming. I'm not looking for that. I want to be just very factual. People get out of wheelchairs. Listen to me now, I'm serious. The dead literally raised. Literally. Incurable diseases heal without anyone praying for them. There's coming a day really, really soon, the Father has promised me this, that we're gonna go from the common healings to the big boy healings and big boy miracles. He has made me a promise. And he's made many of you promises in here. He's not a rabbit's foot, we don't have to be loud. Here's what you have to do, though. You have to pull a Roger Bannister. Jack made a 50 on his exam. I said, Jack, you're better than this. He took it again, makes 100. We are capable of more than we think. I'm I'm talking to this family that I shepherd. I'm talking to us. Let's, Let's finish where we started, John 14, 12. Let's finish here. This is our mantra. If any man believes in me, He will do the same things I have done. Even greater things will he do because I'm going to be with the Father. A lot of people would say, if only Elijah were here, he would call down fire on Mount Carmel. He was the superhero. Elijah didn't have the same power that raised a king from the grave inside of him. Perhaps you're capable of more than you think. I'm serious. I'm I'm not kidding. A lot of people don't take me serious because I talk like a kid. Well, don't wake me up. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm a kid with a dad who's more than capable of taking care of big things. And at Bridgeway, I just want us to talk more about the father and his bigness and his goodness than what the enemy's doing. In many ways, it's irrelevant to me what the enemy's doing. And it, God is, is such a sovereign arrogance in a great way when he says, I tell you what, take a week off and watch everything break. Break. Mary had a little lamb. She would have been a sheep. She joined a charismatic church and died from lack of sleep. How about this, though? How about this, though? You can get to a place where rest is your biggest weapon, and other people get mad at you at the favor on your life because you're just learning to trust in chaos. This is my fourth conclusion. I'm over time. I don't care. Here it goes. You need a little chaos in your life to show you where you are with the grit in your own belly with the Father. Well, are you saying that there are levels to the Father's heart? I absolutely, 100% am. Yes, I am. And perhaps Peter, James, and John lived their lives in such a way where they were invited to go up on the Mount of Transfiguration and the other nine didn't. And an orphan says, that's not fair. A son says, well, then why don't you teach me what Simon Peter did to go up there? You want me to put Josh Houston's shoes on? Stand on a chair? God asked me recently, can I make a fool of you? I thought, oh, boy. Let's stand together. Uh, I'm going to give this word. The father says he loves kids. They're full of purity. They don't hesitate. They just go. May you never get out of a boat that the Lord's not standing on the water, but may you never stay in there if he is. And just a heads up from heaven... He's on that water way more than you've been told. Jump, go, risk in Jesus' name. Have a great week. God bless.